Hello and welcome to another episode of the Miss Independent Podcast with me, Sarah Lee. Hello and welcome to episode number two of the Miss Independent Podcast. This week, I have never been so thrilled about having Fanny Lumsden on the podcast. She is our guest for this second episode and she has done nothing but give her time and some really great advice for up-and-coming artists and it has been an absolute pleasure to have had this opportunity to speak with her. Uh, a bit of insight into when this episode was recorded, it was recorded back in June, so there may be some past tense things mentioned and also, believe it or not, Fanny is a country artist that lives in the country, so the reception was not great in some spots, but I've attempted to edit it out and nonetheless, I believe that this episode will be one of our best yet, so, well, it's the second one, but it'll be really, really good, I promise. I love it, I can't stop listening to it and I really hope you do too. Please enjoy Fanny Lumsden. So, welcome to the podcast, Fanny Lumsden. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Lovely to have you. So, for those who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, can you just let us know a little bit about how you got to where you are, your career so far, et cetera, et cetera? Of course. <laughs> um, well, that must be a nice life if you're living under a rock because it's just, you know, useful. Um, we, well, I am a singer-songwriter. I grew up in New South Wales on the farm and... I've been playing music kind of my whole life. My family is very musical. And yeah, I, I suppose the music part of my life, life continued through when I was finished school, thinking that I wasn't really into the music thing as a career. And then moved to Sydney after that. I finished that degree and I just started playing it kind of um, as a mark nuts and stuff. And it kind of just slowly, slowly built from there, kind of catered. <laughs> um, there was definitely no big moments, but um, <laughs> it wasn't something I had planned for. It just kind of evolved um, into me doing it full-time up until now. So, yeah, I've been putting music out um, for about six years. I put, well, I put a little EP out before that, but we, I've tried to bury that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, the other EP came out about six years ago, and then I've put two albums out then. So, yeah, we've been touring and doing lots of bits and pieces and spent a lot of time on the road. Um, we, when I speak in the we, it's my husband and my business partner and Stanley Freeman. Um, so that became a we kind of part way through that process, which has been amazing. But yeah, that is me. <laughs> no, and a great team you are too. Thank you. <laughs> Everything I think that... If you do have any shortcomings, I'm not sure if there are any, but I'm sure Dan would pick the ball up there. And um, it would definitely help to have someone to bounce ideas off and all that. Oh, yeah, too. totally. I um, I couldn't do this at the level, like, you know, at the level of work that we, without him, it's definitely a two-people job. It's not just me at all. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's a lot of shortcomings. <laughs> there's a lot of shortcomings. And the things that, and he is, you know, yeah, he is able to pick up at that point and, uh, you know, we dance each other out pretty well, I think. I'm kind of like the one who's like, I have this big picture idea. He's like, this is how we put the pieces together. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's, I'm kind of like, I suppose like an architect and he's the 
He's a carpenter. He makes the shit happen. We, we would be lost without Dan. And you've also got another Dan on your team now, but we'll talk about that um, in a minute. So we kind of know how you've got reasonably to where you are. There was a bit of a hiatus from what you've just told me, like from your um, your first EP to the big Fang Spangled album that is Small Town Big Shot that kicked you off in the country music industry. How did you go about starting that? It was also crowdfunded too, correct? Yeah, it was crowdfunded. Yeah, it was, um, so that was a hilarious funding, but um, we were obviously working funding that pretty much as I've, like, grown, I've learned as I've gone. Like, I really, I really had, I didn't start out with, like, a big plan. I never, it was never like that. It's really, truly evolved as we've gone along. Um, and so, like, from along the way, from all of the first to the release of the second album, you know, it was obviously huge and but then the difference between the first album and the second album, like what I've known about, I just suppose I just picked up knowledge as we've gone through and kind of I've done all of that out of necessity and just done what makes sense and just looked around me. And, and I had, you know, I was living in Sydney and I had, there was this really great um, kind of more folk music-based community, like indie folk kind of scene in Sydney that was really strong at the time. And everyone was really supportive of each other. And we kind of all just, and like we had a folk club, that we would play out every week um, or would have music every week. And that, and so I think that community really helped because we all watched each other and we all helped each other and we all, you know, you go to that and everyone, like it built the community, which I think is the, one of the most important things is that like, you know, working with your people that were there were like, you know, the up and coming people on radio and the up and coming people who were just starting out, starting music blogs. And, you know, that kind of, now they're all, you know, working for the big, like names of whatever of the industry, but we all started kind of at that point together. So I think that time where it seemed kind of quiet, maybe I was learning a lot and we were just really in, I hate to use the word, but seen. Um, and because it was just, you know, we were all just supporting and and, um, and hanging out and learning. And yes, yeah, so I think that was really, really helpful um, for me. And I also had this really great band, my the first version of the Thrill Seekers, um, and we released that first EP together, and they were way more, way more experienced in the industry than I ever was. But I somehow came in and was just like bossing them, just because I think I'm a bossy person, <laughs> <laughs> not because of um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, taught me a lot as well, um, and and then because I didn't know very much, I took a lot of risks. And I think the thing is key, like out throughout the whole our whole career it's because I was really naive and so I was like let's just do that thing. and most people would be like you can't do that and I was like yes we can let's just do it <laughs> um, because I didn't know any better pretty much and so that allowed me to take a lot of risks which was in hindsight really really helpful um, and kind of set me up to kind of have the was just like just do the thing and um, figure out how to do it later <laughs> exactly and I think too like from well my tiny little plop of a career so far and a lot of my peers as well one of the reasons that we look up to you so much is because you are such uh like an independent strong know what you want kind of like it might not be the right thing at the time but at least you're you're pushing for it kind of thing and I think that being a woman in this industry like the country music industry I think is quite um well in Australia is quite um supportive and stuff but you really do need to be assertive as a female to try and get things done and have people listen to you and sometimes 
that might like cross over into the bitch realm of what people think we might be trying to do or say. Um, have you got any tips for any maybe um, young girls out there who are still trying to find their voice but are starting to get that gut feeling of how um, how they want things to be done or if they think things aren't right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's people need to be assertive. And yeah, like you said, it did originally come from me being naive and just not knowing any better and just being like, well, this is what I want, so like, love you guys. Also having, no- <laughs> also having nothing to lose, um, you know, when you start out is kind of invaluable because, and I think if you can keep that, if you keep that feeling like, well, there is nothing to lose because I, this is mine and I control it and, you know, it's not about, like, I just, I really hate how when women are assertive or they are showing some kind of, um, you know, strength or leadership, people say, oh, yeah, like, Oh, they're a bitch or they're polarizing or blah, blah, blah. I hate that because it's like they don't say that about men. It's like, yeah, I think it's really important to just really look at yourself to start with and figure out what you do want to say and what you are going to say. And then if you truly believe that, like if you, and it doesn't matter if you send your mind down the track because we all grow and evolve, but um, like if you really believe that, I think it's the most important thing is not to bend on those values. Like I I think it's that is a natural trait of mine is really, I'm really contrary and I'm really like well this is what I think so yeah but like that doesn't mean I'm not trying to learn from other people it's just and that's been I suppose that's something I've tried to try to learn myself and that's what I try and grow in the sense that I need to listen and take on advice a little bit more but then use it in your own way so I would just say yeah if you if you really believe something and you have a gut feeling about it like you're right like that's it no no other reasons like you are right and there's no right way to do any of the things like there's no path and there's no you can't do that because of this or Mm. you know there's pros and cons for different things but if you know best so believe yourself and um, back yourself on that and yeah and I think that people people are like when people know what you know if they're really sure about something people gravitate towards that and if you're really sure about something it doesn't really matter how it grows, like, you know, how it rolls out. If you're like, no, this is the right decision for me right now, no one else is you and no one else knows, like, any better, to be honest, even if they are however many years in the industry or whatever. So just go for it, I'd say. Exactly. Well said. I think that's, I think that's another thing that um, a lot of, like, um, maybe less experienced artists, especially up-and-comers, really, like, look up to you for is that you can – you go for what you want and you have such a great team and God, your Instagram stories just show us the behind the scenes of all the work that needs to happen to do the things. It's not just Fanny Lumsden appeared in this magazine and Fanny Lumsden received a golden guitar and Fanny Lumsden received a CMC award. It's like there are all of the things that need to be done. There's a team around you um, and we might go into that too. What was the, um, what was the first version of uh, Team FL that, eventuated and how did that help you from trying to take it on all yourself obviously Dan has been a big part um your husband but was there anyone else when you first started out that really helped you maybe like a publicist or a manager or something like that um so when I first moved to Sydney um I was just I'd recorded a little EP and I was just kind of doing some little gigs and then I was just going to do this one show and then I was going to end um I was going to go and I got a job doing stuff in agriculture and I was like I'm gonna go do that like this has kind of been fun but that's it and um I had I did I think it was the community around me at that time that 
you know, I put on, like, I just put on a show at this venue, like, expecting no one to come, and then it was, like, packed, and we were like, oh, cool, that was fun, like, we could do this again. And so the people that were there, so that's, like, you know, like, band mates, like, those thrill seekers, and I had a housemate at the time who was, like, this epic networker, like, she's amazing. Um, and we all kind of just band together, I think, um, I'm just trying to remember, but, like, we kind of just... You know, we would all just talk to people when we were out and we all just believed that what we were doing was... And we didn't really have a huge agenda, but, like, we just brought... I don't know. I think with the help of them, we could just bring this great energy. And so that was kind of the first version of my team, I suppose, was my peers around me um, and people that were just giving up their time. Like, it was quite amazing. Like, the first country host tour we did um, in 2012, everybody... Like, I didn't know it. None of us had any clue what we were doing. There was, like, I was just, like, well, we'll put on events. What do you need for an event, like, logically? <laughs> like, honest, honestly, I was, like, all right, well, I'll just call the hall. Um, and then we're, like, cool, let's make it a fundraiser. All right, well, you call Blazer. They're, like, I would just call these people. And then and then Dan was, like, well, I can make a poster. I'll just Google how to use Photoshop. <laughs> and um, pretty much, like, I'm not kidding. And now he's, like, fully-fledged graphic designer. Um yeah, so we were just... That's awesome. I suppose we were a little collective that everyone kind of pitched in and someone was like, oh, I know this guy that does him if he wants to come and people gave their time and so I suppose that was kind of the first version of my team was, you know, my band and my friends and community. Um, and that was probably the most um, amazing time because I really, I can't even stress enough how much, like how little I knew about the industry. Like I knew zero, like nothing. I didn't know how to book a gig. I didn't know about any of it, like nothing. I didn't know about charts. I didn't know about labels. I knew these things exist, like magic things, and I just didn't know. Um, and so, yeah, I think those people around me really helped, um, and I just kind of picked up knowledge from them. And so, yes, yeah, so we kind of moved on from there, and then that team, you know, kind of like that band kind of evolved a little bit. Um, but I had that set kind of five people for a few years, and we did everything together and I learned a lot from them because they were all in the industry. And then, yeah, Dan, he and I, then we started, actually there were, then we were housemates and then we started dating. <laughs> um, so I suppose he became naturally progressively more involved <laughs> as time went on um, for a bunch of different reasons there. We just did that whole time ourselves until pretty much last year. We've not really had a team. Um, until like the first, when we got to releasing the first record, um, Small Town Big Shot, we crowdfunded that, like you said. And um, that was Dan and I mostly just like, you know, working away at everything and just being like, I think this is the best way we should do this. Yeah, let's do that. Like there was no consultation or like plan making. We were like, yeah, let's just make sense. Let's do that and we'll do it with this. Um, so we did that and then, yeah, it was just him and I. But then we, we worked on the first record with um, Social Family. So... I thought, yeah, maybe releasing through a label or at that point was the way to go. We tried a few managers actually through that period. That didn't really work out. I'm pretty like (laughs) controlling about what I'm doing. And I hadn't just found someone who matched or like worked at whatever level that we were working at. Like we were, you know, like pumping out stuff pretty fast and I wanted to act on stuff really fast and, and waiting for someone was, frustrating for me (laughs) Um, and just personalities and different points in the industry like they just didn't work out so we tried two different um, kind of managers and 
I'm like, you know, I'm sure they were great for other people, but it just didn't work out for us. And then, and then, yeah, then we have kind of worked with social family who we had a um, just a distribution deal with um, on purpose. Like I chose to do that because um, I didn't want a license deal. I didn't. I just wanted to keep control of everything um, and not sign anything away at that point because we'd fundraised everything anyway through crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't see any point in. Like they, I didn't see the value of them giving me, you know, taking away my control and then blah, 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 blah. Um, but they were great for that first record, to be honest. Um, I learned a lot through that process um, just by working with them. Um, they were a very different version of a record label to what they are now. Um, even that I loved working with. Um, and, yeah, so that was really, like, a really interesting process. And But I was, I, I kind of, had to learn a lot about publicity along the way anyway myself, um, how to write press releases, how to get press. And I'd made a lot of contacts already just by necessity. Um, so I utilised all of those during that process as well. So it was a bit of a team effort. I think that first record, um, I, we kind of almost proved to ourselves that we were like, oh, actually, I think we can do this ourselves. Like um, we've got all of the, it was more just the time that we needed, you need to put into things. Um, that was kind of a bit, a bit hesitant about originally and we we're like oh maybe we do need to step it up to a, you know a big label kind of situation or how we're going to pay for the next record was really the question <laughs> to be honest um so we were like okay yeah <laughs> how are we going to pay for this so then you know we kind of put out there that we were going to put a record out and then we got offered some great i've really just gone into my whole story here haven't i sorry um it's fine keep going it's fine. Okay, cool. Um, so we went into, yeah, like we put out there, we're putting a record out, and then the, um, we got, you know, some label offers from some major labels, you know, which I thought maybe like 12 months before, or even like six months before, three months before that date. Um, I thought that was my dream. Like I thought that was what I wanted ultimately was to get signed by one of these labels. But, you know, in that process, I learn a lot about what actually will you actually get from signing like and what and I really had to do some deep thinking about what I actually wanted like what and like why do I want those things and how will that help us and I really said we were really busy during this time but I don't know like I really deliberated over that um and because we're such a because we're such a I don't know crowdsourced and kind of grassroots, like our whole business is built on that, really direct-to-fan model. It seemed like a strange thing to put a big corporation in between us and the fans that we already had a relationship with. Um, See, they were offering me, it didn't seem like it was going to, you know, compensate otherwise. And so if you really, if I really look at the business model of it um, and we compare the different offers and then doing it ourselves, um, even just financially doing it ourselves was like going to, I knew it was going to, you know, put us way ahead. And so basically what it boiled down to was that signing to a record label, a big label was ego for me. Like that was what that decision would be. I could only put it down to was, I was like, okay, well, that's an ego based decision. Like I'm signing this label because you know, it'll feel good and people from the outside will be like, oh, you've signed to a label, that's amazing. And it'll be like short-term publicity thing. And then I knew I'd be eternally frustrated because 
we like to jump on opportunities whenever we can. And I just need to experience that, you know, and for good reasons. For sure, yeah. You know, people through a label, you know, there's hoops you need to jump through and, you know, there's levels that needs to go to to people need to approve things. And, and that's fine. It all works out in different scenarios. But for us, because we were so direct to fan and so kind of quick to jump on things if things came up, I just knew I'd be frustrated. So, yeah, that's why we didn't sign a label. Um, and then during that process, I was talking a lot to Dan Biddle, who's now a manager, um, and he was maybe looking at starting a little label and talking a lot, um, and I was kind of bouncing all of these ideas off him and like, oh, what should I do? And, and then he kind of came down when we were recording um, our album and we talked more about all the different versions of what we could do and then eventually as we were driving home from recording he rang up and he was like why don't I just manage you <laughs> and I was like oh I'll get back to you on that actually <laughs> he's like no no it's cool think about it and I don't know it freaks me out a bit <laughs> just because I'm so used to doing it all um and it seems like I think that the idea of being accountable to somebody else also was quite terrifying. Like, have, it wasn't like this. So I think that was what I was, I was like kind of a bit scared about. You know, we were, you know, I really trusted him and I knew we had the same work ethic, which was really important to me um, to be able to kind of be able to just blah, 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 and him not be like, whoa, okay. Because <laughs> um, he's exactly the same. So, yeah, so we started working together and then that's kind of, been how that's worked ever since. So it's the two Dan's and I, and we are a team pretty much. Um, we all still, um, you know, we all still work on everything together, the three of us, and we all just have elements that we kind of take control of. Um, or, you know, there's no rules. He's amazing, like he doesn't really have an ego, which can get in the road sometimes when you're working with people. Um, so like if I get a gig, and he'd been working on it. He's like, oh, that's fine. Great. We got it. Like, that's the end goal. Like, awesome. So, like, let's move forward. So there's no kind of, you know, finicky business with that kind of stuff. It's just, like, we're all very open and honest with each other. And we all just try and do what's best for all of us combined. So, yeah, it's good. That's awesome. That was long. Sorry. No, no, you're right. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's been a long process. And I think... I think staying true to it has been a long how you started is just such a credit to you. Like, like you say, like signing, if you look at these days, which leads us kind of into like some other points I want to touch on, but um, just what a record label can offer now, as opposed to 20 years ago um, is totally different. Like the playing fields changed um, incredibly. And I just think like you can make your dollar work for a dollar 50 or two dollars or ten dollars depending on the thing but then they can't offer you a full dollar they're offering you you know maybe 60 or 70 cents just because they're 20 cents (laughs) because their priority is just so different i'm I'm an optimist (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is probably going to get me in a lot of trouble even if they have your best interests at heart and stuff it's just it's a business thing and and at the end of the day that's what this is which i think is what gets a lot of people in a bit of trouble just from being creative and then just getting eaten alive as soon as you get into the real world, I suppose. And that's something that I think a lot of up and comers have to realize. Um, you can, if you're not strong with those points, you can get a team, but I just think um, you're just a very good example of someone who has learned how to navigate through trial and error and you've really stuck to what you believe in. And I just really hope that you and Dan and other Dan get to like sit back sometimes and celebrate the fact that, 
you know what, we've done this and, you know, we've had all this success and, you know, it's just purely from your hard work. It's no luck. It's just um, just good good stuff and good work ethic. So credit to you. Yeah, thank you. I think that is um, there's a couple of things in like, like nobody cares as much as you do about this. And I think that's really wise to remember. <laughs> like, like nobody's going to put as much work in as you are. Um, so having knowledge and having understanding and not just relying on other people. Like, it's good to trust people and have a team and, and, like, have people around you, but, like, nobody cares as much as you do. So if you, I think, yeah, it's empowering to have all of that knowledge um, around you. And, and, yeah, sometimes I really do, like, have enjoyed that process of, like, sitting back and being like, oh, we got this, like, this last record, we did have goals and different things. And, you know, we, one thing we wanted to do was have it chart well in its first week, if we could. Um, it's not the end goal, but, like, ultimately. But, like, it was that was one of our mini goals. And when it came in, like, at the highest-selling country album for that week and the only independent one for the whole year, I was, like, we were able to sit back and be like, you know what? I, we wrapped up every single CD and posted those <laughs> ourselves from my lounge room. <laughs> like, we didn't sleep for a week because we were posting things. Um, and to get, you know, achieve that and know you have fully done it yourselves is, you know, that's really satisfying. Um, but, you know, in saying that, it, that doesn't, like, say that there's not the right, like, you know, the right time or the right... Um, scenario for you to expand your team there is a certain limit on that like we know that next time with that mail out part and all like we won't do the distribution entirely ourselves because it was full on (laughs) and um we are about to have a baby so like that you know like things like that would that week we could do because dan and i could just like power through we didn't sleep we just like did that but I, i know like there's time and place that you will um you know, help is useful. <laughs> um, and also other people have skills um, in this. Um, we just happen to figure out how to do it ourselves and I have people around me that could do that. But like some people are like, no, I prefer just to be the artist and have somebody else do all of that. And that is totally okay. Because if that is not your forte, if you're not great at that and you do have those offers on the table, that might be the right choice for you. I think that brings us back to that same point that there's, no right way to do it. There's no pathway. There's no, like, there's no, like, set to do this industry. It's like, make it up. Like, everything that you learn, then just apply it to yourself and strip everything else away and just do your own thing because um, I think ultimately that's the goal. No, that's awesome. And, and like you said, like, you can grind while you can. And if you know all the aspects of what needs to be done, even if you're not particularly good at them, as long as you know what needs to be done. And it's the same with any small business. Like then when you do, you know, pass it on or something, if that's something that you end up doing, you know what the other person's meant to do. And you need to understand they're probably not going to not sleep for a week, but yeah, they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be doing it in their own time. And that's something that I think every small business has to understand. I know my husband is going through something like that at the moment with his business, which is totally unmusic related. Um, but it, you know, at least you know the little things they should be hitting the goals they should be hitting all the time and you can try and create some kind of like um you know time frame that would suit both parties <laughs> yeah I think that understanding is invaluable like it's just this and also just build a way better like work environment for everybody because everybody understands what everybody is going through um and so it 
in a positive way, it's like you can empathize with that person who has to do that job because you know what's involved and you know it's quite hard or it's difficult or it's time consuming or it's, you know, it's a challenging, it's got challenging aspects. So you can have that understanding to them and turn them work for you. So it's like, you know, it's a two way, two way street, I think. Um, but yeah, understanding, I, I think understanding everything is just super important. It's like do research. Like I literally Googled how to start a record label. Like that's pretty much what I put in my Google. <laughs> like I didn't know. I've never done it before. And how did that? And how did you come about that decision? So obviously you were you'd had offers and stuff from different parties, and you were considering the next step because obviously the success from your first album, you wanted to continue or grow with the second album. Um, what were your thoughts on starting a record label, and why did you guys start Red Dirt Road Records? Well, uh, yeah, as I said, we'd been talking to labels and talking looking at all our different options and um I, I sat down actually with Dan Biddle before he was working with us but kind of when he was we were kind of maybe gonna work together in a releasing music capacity, um, adding a little label. Um and we actually wrote down kind of okay, if we sell this many records on all these three models, like what does that look like? And you know, we really got into the kind of nuts and bolts of that. Um and we talked back and forth, and I talked back and forth with Dan about it. All this time, we were actually crowdfunding and in the um, studio at the same time. So these things were all happening at the same time, which was a lot. Um, there wasn't <laughs> – I don't recommend that, to be honest. That was um, a full-on time. But it just happened. That's how it worked out for us because we decided, all right, well, let's make this decision. So uh, I can't even really remember why. We were like, let's just do it ourselves. But I think – I think it came down to us looking at those models and being like, okay, well, those major labels right now for us, I'm not going to say that we're never going to sign because I think it's silly to say, like, I'm never going to do something good thing to do because you'll look back and be like, oops. <laughs> at where we were situated at the time, the negotiating power we had at the time, like the position we were in in the industry um, at that time, it didn't really work out. It didn't seem like it was going to work out for that, like for us, this, you know, that round. So we're like, okay, that kind of puts them to the side. We don't want to do that. All right, do we like sign a distribution label? Or then it was kind of the next question. Every time we kind of looked at all of the different aspects, mostly of the business side, to be honest, um, it just kind of kept back to doing, kept coming back to doing it ourselves. And then I think that was like by doing our own label, we were, you know, we were just like, oh, we may as well make our own label if we're going to do it ourselves independently. <laughs> so why, actually? We were like, let's add that really difficult element into it. That would be great. Yeah, ended up not being that. You want to make it. A label, if you don't know from the outside, seems like this big structural thing, but it's actually just a bunch of forms you fill out and um, a logo. <laughs> um, it's, it's as much as you want to make it. So, like, you know, you become, you've got a, register everything and do all your business names and do all of, you know, your normal small business stuff for it. Um, but then it's kind of, it's kind of like a idea <laughs> that we kind of put everything under like an umbrella and, and in terms of business sense, yes, yeah, just like a business name and an ABN and a logo. And then, but that's kind of what every, every kind of um, label, small label is. And I looked at a lot of other ones that, you know, independent ones. Not that there's many in the... That's actually not... There wasn't any in the country scene, really. Um, there was probably a couple, but... So, but they're starting to pop up now, which is cool. Um, 
but so I looked, you know, other industries and stuff and just what they were doing. And, um, and we knew that we were like, no, let's just keep this focus on our release for the first while um, before we go expanding. But um, yeah, it's definitely been a really good decision. So I basically just didn't answer your question. I just walked Again, how, how, how pregnant are you? Like 36 weeks at, at this point, I believe. <laughs> so you've got, is it, is it baby Fine. born, I think? Yeah, it's totally. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I decided to do grant acquittals um, and a grant application. Like we had do a grant acquittal, and I couldn't apply for a grant, which was due last night until the acquittal was in. And then, anyway, so the last two days have oh. just been like a big blur grants. Um, so I granted it, tried plus weird emotions and stuff. That's <laughs> okay, so good. It is the worst. Yeah, right? There's no such thing as free money, I think, is another good example um, that we could be no. um, explaining to people starting out. It, it may be all wrapped up with a pretty bow um, and it does help. But, yeah, there's a lot of work involved with that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, and look, if you are going to feel like thinking about starting a label um, because you like release your own music, yeah, like, look at that from like a number of different angles and like are you ready just to work a lot <laughs> are you ready to send a lot of emails have a lot of spreadsheets spend a lot of time in your computer um is that kind of what you see as a viable option for you do you like that kind of side of it um because you know there is a fair bit of admin involved um in saying that you know it's pretty manageable now like it's kind of slowed down like you don't have we don't have those that you know, massive demand that we did in the first few weeks of massive, I say massive, was massive for us. And, you know, just of like physically sending stuff out and organising stuff. And But now it's kind of more of a trickle, which is way better. <laughs> and we have time to do other stuff. Also, I probably should just mention, so we also, we paid for a publicist for that period without. So our record label obviously doesn't have a team within it apart from ourselves. And one of the elements I knew that would be I wanted a lot out of but didn't have the time or energy to do is because we were doing all this other stuff was publicity. So it's like we have to pay a publicist. Like that's something we're going to do. Um, so we did that. And um, that was a really great choice. Very expensive. Um, and it, we paid them for five months for the record. And it, that was, it was really expensive, but it was really good. <laughs> like they were amazing. And I would recommend before someone goes, oh, I need a label, oh, I need a manager, um, maybe just like look at what you're doing and look at what your release is and, um, or look at what your plan is and if you're just trying to, you know, if you know, a little bit more awareness of the industry yourself and you have like a single and a quick, and I think we've talked about this before, maybe employ a publicist and you don't need to employ the most expensive publicist because there's a huge range of them as well what they deliver and what they can do for you. But that is a good step for a first um, team person, I think. And it's a short-term contract-based thing as well. So you're not working into anything. It just helps kind of build your understanding of that as well. For sure. And if you get the right publicist, I think, you know, they're not necessarily going to give you all the answers, but they can, they're can. they definitely a good person to, to bounce ideas off and get like just maybe even that bit of a more inside knowledge of how things work if you don't fully understand all that. Did they... So did they cover all your radio stuff as well or just, just your press? Uh, they did. Yeah, they did everything. They did, yeah, tour and album and, yeah, radio. And we did, um, like, so knowing about all the different organisations is really key as well, I think, if you're um, an independent artist. So, you know, obviously, you must, like, already so much, like, Catherine and Gosh, um, 
PBCA, and then Air It. Um, so like that's AMRAP and Air It for independent artists. That sends your um, it's like a platform, and you can upload your songs. You've got to kind of apply and show that you're serious about what you're doing. And then that services community radio. So yeah, I think that's a key thing for people to um, start with as well. And you can do that yourself. Um, so I, we did that. We uploaded everything to AMRAP ourselves, air it. So that's kind of servicing all the community radio, which is a big part of our kind of, you know, our whole ethos is servicing the community radio. Um, and then there's another program called Play and Play MPE, which is um, the commercial radio, and you have to pay for that. So that's your, your song out to radio as well. So we did those two things. So we had we had this song out and available, but then the publicist, then you know chase up the radio interviews and chase up all the rest awesome and i've only just started using play mp myself after a couple of um different things and can i just say like it's i think it's worth the money and it's what all the labels use and if you're going to be using like that's where they get all their music all the bigger radio stations get their music from um from all the big signed artists so you definitely stand out a bit a bit more that way yeah, totally. I think it's, but I think you don't need to do it if you're like done not much and you don't have to start there. Like you don't have to fork out money. I think it's like my another really big thing that I find kind of mind blowing is like someone start, is starting out and like they pay five grand to get a film clip made and then they pay like five grand for a publicist and they pay just to put out their first single um, and they haven't really developed any kind of networking or fan base yet. Like I just am like, wow, I never had that money. And I just really, I don't think even if I did, I would have, I just don't think that that's a really great way to spend your money on your first, like just don't blow it. You don't have to spend that. Like you can work with the people around you and make, you know, kind of build it slowly. And it, um, I kind of have this kind of, it's a bad, but it's like, I think people, what is it? It's like, Kind of like you can't jump to the outside of an onion. <laughs> like you need to build, like you know, an onion has like all like all these different layers from the inside out, right? So it grows out all the way. Um, so you have to build your like your career based on these relationships and these this understanding. Kind of, I think if you build it from the bottom up and you build it with like understanding and um, you know, like yeah, like I said before, like you know, knowing the person who's doing your local community radio, knowing the person who's your mate who's started taking photographs, like using your person, a friend who likes to write, um, to write a bio, you know, starting there and then building up really slowly. When, as you build up, not only are you building a community around you and you have all these people that you, you know, that are kind of got your back and like vice versa, you also, if you fall when you have layers built up underneath you, you don't fall very far. But if you jump and you spend all this money and you think you have to use the best of the best from the first, you know, from the get-go, you're going to jump up, but then you're going to fall all the way back down again and you have to build all the way back up again. So I just, yeah, I think that I'm terrible at explaining that, but, like, <laughs> um, I think it's really important. No, I think that's a um, a great a great thing. That's a great analogy, I think, is the right Yeah, I just, I just think, I just, I could see... A little bit Shrek. But... Yeah, I just see that people, uh, like, just going straight from kind of their first ever something and they'll like pay all of this money to get this stuff done. You're like, oh my God, that's not going to turn around. Like you can't make that money back. And sure, it might seem as like an investment, but you don't need to spend that money yet. <laughs> like um, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to be said about working with people around you um, than just to pay them because they're the people, you know what I mean?
Yeah. So how do you um how do you find? Because obviously there's a lot of um, like with social media and all that kind of stuff. You know, we kind of just see everyone's successes consistently all of the time, and like a lot of people, um, you know, myself included, um, compare you know like our bad days to their good days and all that kind of stuff. And it's similar. We're like career wise, you know, they're people in different situations who might you know can release quicker or appear to have like a bit more together and all that kind of thing how are ways if you deal with that how are ways that you kind of keep yourself in check and in your own lane and um and know that you're on the right path with that like the longevity as opposed to um the here and now and and seeing you know some you know some other people or whatever might be doing things a bit differently and seem to be getting a bit further than you are i have a really good point i think that it's hard right so we're all the same like we're all watching each other and being like, how do they get that? How come I didn't get that? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think one thing, um, and Dan is good at reminding me this as well, and like really always focusing and being like, no, this is our, like our, I hate to use this word, but journey, <laughs> or like our path is different to that person's path. Like this is ours and we and we have made these decisions on purpose. Like we don't make decisions. Like we made these decisions to do it this way because that's what we believe is the best thing for us right now. And I think focusing on, on your own path and also just like having a bit of, like swallowing a bit of that ego. Like it's just this ego thing that's constantly kind of coming up. You just have to swallow it and be like, you know what? That's not right for me right now. And look at the longer picture and be like, um, you know, sure, they're, like, they're going to, like, look really flashy right now, but but if I keep taking what I have put into place because I have, you know, learnt or got advice or think that that's the right thing to do, it will build. And we've always had this really um, slow burn. I don't, might not seem like a social media, but, like, we've always had a kind of slow burn approach to our, like, we're like, I, I, I still want to be playing music and touring in, like, you know, 20 years. I don't. I don't want this to be a flash in the pan thing. Um, so how do I make that happen and how do I and not, you know, try and let my ego just destroy that by like, yeah, looking at other people and going, Oh, how do I get that quick? Let's just do that. Um, so yeah, keeping I, I suppose an eye on what your goals are and how they fit in in that scenario is really good. And I suppose also like there's room for everyone in the industry as well. I think People don't just be like, oh, I've got enough people I follow. Now I'm not going to buy any more music in my life. Like people, like, you know, like people that it might feel like competitive and it might feel like there's only a certain amount of spots, but there's, you know, years and there's different ways to do it and there's all these different ways and we, there is enough room for everyone. And I think the more the better. And I think if you can really like look inside yourself and be like, oh no, I want to learn to be happy for that person because they got that rather than jealous. Um, that can really help. It's hard. I'm not going to say that it's, I'm just a fan, but it's like, they're like management techniques, I suppose. And I think social media makes it hard. And if I'm struggling and I'm feeling like this kind of, I don't know, like you said, just envy or whatever else, I actually just go off social media for some days and try and get back into check and be like, nope, that is not helping me. <laughs> um, let's just focus on creating stuff. And then that often really helps. Like, like make a plan for yourself. Yeah, that really, that, that seems like it's been my biggest management technique is just going off socials for a little bit and 
yeah creating stuff and how do you um how do you manage because you're so business be like business orientated and it's very you know you've written the songs you've recorded the songs and then it's just like business mode booking tours you know like making sure that all of the things work how do you manage your like have you got a way that you do it or is it just like a haphazard kind of managing creative time like for songwriting and all that kind of thing because at the end of the day deep down we all are creatives how do you manage that and your business time um it's changing a lot I think as time goes on for me like I used to just haphazardly do it all at once like I would be writing an email and my guitar would be sitting right next to me and I'd pick it up and I'd just write a song when I was and I'd go back to the email um it was kind of like all over the shop um and that worked um a time where I had to be like left brain right brain like I was very much just like kind of all happening at once um (laughs) But now, to be honest, over the last probably 12 months, I've probably written the least I have ever um, because the business side has taken so much more of my time. So now I'm trying to make concerted efforts to actually have more just like playing and writing and creative time. Um, so I've, I'm actually yeah, designating time to that now. Um, and a few months when we're not on the road and traveling so much, I'm going to be doing that. Um, obviously, it helps that I have Dan because you know, he'll make dinner and I'll go and play a little bit or something like that but um um and then there's also this other thing that's like this balance thing which is terrible but it's like I find it so I would sometimes be feeling guilty if I'm playing the guitar um instead of getting the business side of stuff done and that's like a such a terrible trap to fall into but it's pretty cool. so trying to be like no no this is without the songs there's nothing <laughs> so um that's kind of really important. Oh, of course yeah. yeah so yeah I don't know I don't know, I don't have any magic answers for that, but I am starting to put specific time aside um, and be like, all right, for the next two hours, I'm putting all devices away. Um, I'm not having computer or email or phone or anything near me and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I use a book and pen still. So, <laughs> like, I'll go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you have to find what works best for you. Like, if you can just fit five minutes of writing in, great, if it's five minutes in. If you can put a chunk aside of time, um, which I'm sure will change once I have a small crying human that I have to keep alive. Um, but <laughs> well, I think I think yeah, you get better. Apparently, people become better at time management when that kind of thing happens because there is no time to fluff about. Not that you guys would fluff about. I think but yeah, you, about, you, know, but yeah. you can start yeah, working just things. Your time priorities change totally. Hmm. But yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make a concerted effort to have to dedicate more creative time um, and and just allow that, I think, and not feel like it's it's being indulgent because it's obviously not when your career depends. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And I think and songwriting is a skill too. And another thing, like I'm even trying to tell myself because I'm similar spot, like I've been doing a lot of things and not writing songs and writing songs is something that makes me feel really good and something that I really enjoy. So I've really got to like try yeah. and not yeah. judge myself too hard on the, um, on, you know, like, oh, I haven't written in so long. Oh my God. Or I've tried to write a song and it hasn't worked. Um, and not just being like, oh my God, I've got a block. I've got a block. I've got, and stressing yourself out that way just to, like you say, set, set aside a bit of time and, um, yeah. and just letting things happen because all in good time. <laughs> yeah. I think that's important. I think this is not no pressure. I've never I've never put pressure on myself with songs. If I've started writing them, then I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. 
I just won't. Um, and I've never, I've never really forced myself to do that um, because I just, I think you need to be in the right frame of mind, otherwise you write shit things. But you know, there's a lot of different techniques. Songwriting is a whole other thing. So, um, yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, sometimes you do need to just sit down and finish that song. But, uh, yeah, I think just, like you said, um, just working out whatever fits best for you but not feeling guilty about it and not putting pressure on yourself as well, I think. Because, like, that's, it's just, like, that's never going to work. No, definitely. For creatively, like, creative times. So, what about so what about your – so, you do this little thing that's now not so little called the Country Halls Tour. <laughs> How did you start out – booking gigs and all that kind of thing and finding what works for you to your now magnificent touring extravaganza that you guys do? <laughs> uh, it, was very, um, it was a very happy accident <laughs> that um, happened over time. Um, so I think it started, it's all, it always, everything pretty much out of our career started out of necessity, like lack of resources no money, not having an agent, not having... It's like all because, like literally everything I think until now has happened because like we haven't had those magic like things that just get you gigs or whatever else. Like, and I was playing in the more indie kind of scene and I don't know, I just found it hard to deal with some venue owners and I was kind of just finding that frustrating. Um, but we were still doing that, playing in different venues. Um, grown, um, accidentally and I never ever had a plan for it. It was never a business plan. There was never a goal. It was just like it started off with one weekend in three hall in 2012 raising money for Blaze Aid where, like I said, all my team who were my band and kind of friends of friends, everyone donated their time and we all just went out and had no idea what we were doing and just put on gigs <laughs> in these little halls because they hadn't come from the country. And, you know, I, I know how to communicate with, you know, certain ways to communicate with regional audiences and, um, and like, the people organising it. Um, that is really hard to articulate. It's not just about ringing out and saying, can I use a hall? And then being like, aren't you guys lucky that we bought you this show, like that attitude is never going to work. So I feel like having kind of, I suppose, a bit of all that insight really helped um, in this um, because I, I kept understanding the culture and of that kind of stuff for regional. So yeah, we just did three shows. Um, they went surprisingly well. We did full holes and they were like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> um, and everyone was coming up to us saying, oh, you should see this hole. Oh, come play at this hole. That tour. And so I was like, okay, well, next year we'll maybe we'll do it again. So the next year we did three more holes. And same kind of thing, um, you know, you learn a bit as you go. And then the next year it went to five. And in the year it was a single album tour. First album tour, I think we did 12 or something, or 13. But yeah, so it kind of just, it started going. It was just literally this really, you know, dare I say it, organic process that built from just doing a few people word of mouth spreading to the point where kind of that was third or fourth year from me saying, hey, like we did this thing, we could bring it to your hall, um, to me putting just applications out on my Facebook page and having her apply. So that's kind of where it's at now. It's grown from that point to now we do. Yeah, we have a form and a website and all the applications come in and I work through them all and we try and do as many as we can and we just did 34 um, <laughs> this last year, which, I, like, look, it hasn't been easy. It's been a huge learning curve the whole time. and um, But, you know, we're getting there chip by like a little bit by a little bit and not sleeping very much. Because <laughs> I feel like there's there's two ways to tour. Like you actually are on the road doing things or you put up three tour dates and it's a massive 
tour. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's the touring musician and then there's people who kind of don't necessarily, I don't know whether it could just be their business model or something, but aren't necessarily like going out on the road to make money because there's because you need the money to support the career, but the money is so hard to come by or at least to to keep in the game to keep it going. Have you got any like tips for trying to keep things in check because obviously this is a very it's like any small business when you start out everything's back in to the business Um, what kind of advice would you give to people to like for tour booking and and how that could be like a sustainable source of income yeah i think like you said it depends on what kind of um what kind of artist or like what kind of thing you're willing to do like we don't really do any cover gigs um mostly because i can't remember the words to cover (laughs) um and so like that's so we've had to kind of create a way to keep touring with our own stuff. I think, yeah, it's keeping all your costs really important, obviously. Um, if you are just doing three dates, unless it's attached to like some big campaign that you can see money coming in from somewhere else, like don't go spending how much money on a publicist if you're just doing three dates, like you can do that stuff yourself. Um, and also just like have humble approach to it like don't expect them all just to be full of people because you're doing a tour <laughs> um, like some of them some of them are not great you know some of them are a couple of people sitting at a bar but that's fine it's just like you like know what's the positive I get out of this maybe it's just a paid rehearsal <laughs> you know like it's kind of looking at it that way um, yeah how are you kind of mean sorry I'm not coming because for, for me like my kind of approach to it all was I was just going to be an independent musician but then I stopped working and I had no money. So I had to start doing, I was already doing cover gigs. So I just started doing it a bit more. And I know I've got a lot of people who start out that way or in the same kind of boat. And then all of a sudden you're kind of sick of playing horses six times every weekend. And you feel like maybe you would be less soul crushed if you could play your own music. (laughs) Um, Maybe. And then (laughs) how do you transition into that? Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I think having um, an alternative um, in that case, and like, um, what we've done, um, is that we have both alternative streams of income. Um, so you have to work <laughs> doing other stuff as well. Or be, like, so I only just started doing music full-time last year, like, and I still do a bits and bobs of other things. Um, so halfway through the year last year, um, I stopped doing one of my other jobs. Um, but I was always doing other things um, that would bring in extra money. When I was living in Sydney, I had four part-time jobs as well as touring. Um, so you just, I think you've got to, if you want the flexibility of doing the original stuff, you need to come up with a different way that you're not relying on that to make your money. And like Dan's obviously got his graphic design business, which, you know, helps us as we're on the road. You can do that everywhere. Um, and I, I did have a social media and I still do it for just different projects where I do social media and marketing for festivals and different things. So I think having that um, independent stream that you don't have to um, rely on, you know, gigging or music or whatever else to live. Because it's very hard. Like most artists I think have, like even really established ones, have alternate forms of income coming in somehow. It's in the music industry, but it doesn't have to be just the gigs. Um, but yeah, you're kind of... I think the house concerts for us have been a really, uh, they're kind of like our current um, bread and butter um, and easy to slip in. Like we do these big tours, but I can't, you can't just do these big campaign tours all the time. It's exhausting and it's hard work. And 
there's just not a big enough market here in Australia to do it. So, yeah, having just working out a different way to bring bring in a bit of money, I think, is important. Yeah, so keeping keeping like not all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> so we're coming to the end because I don't want to keep you for much longer because I'm sure you have a thousand things on, or you just want to continue baking the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've obviously never been pregnant, so I don't understand. But um. Could you give us just like a couple of examples or maybe just sum up like um, some successes that you've had that you are really proud of and that you've worked hard for? Uh, sure. Um, the country horse would have to be the biggest one um, for sure. Like all the accolades and stuff are amazing and I'm very proud of that. But country horse tour is something that like, I put in so much work to make that happen. And there's so much that happens behind the scenes for that tour. I don't, we don't just like choose a hall and then rock up to it. It's like so much stuff has happened over seven years um, of developing that tour and so much like risk and so much terror, like it's just terrifying a lot of the time. Like what if no one comes and I've spent like this much money on making this particular show happen and like learning and building relationships and developing dialogues and, you know, all this kind of stuff I've, I really, I'm really proud of that. Like, like it went so well. All the, pretty much all of the regional shows were sold out, and all like, you know, very full. And yeah, I, th- I think I'm proud. I'm proud of that because it's like something we've created from the ground up entirely ourselves. That would be the biggest thing. Otherwise, yeah, like the way we really, like being able to escape independent has really been really um, a big achievement. I think for us so far. Never signed to something. I just. So far, this has been really great and, you know, getting that number one on ARIA was quite amazing, like really was amazing um, because, you know, you just slog away and that particular chart is a direct, like, factual (laughs) of sale numbers um, in comparison to other charts, um, which is not quite the same thing, but that is like a counting data-based chart um so i was really proud of that because we had posted every single thing in our lounge room and i had my parents putting stuff in packages at like 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever at night and like friends over here doing stuff and you know it was that was an effort so that's been a really big a big thing for us too and the music like i'm really really proud of what we create you know I love creating worlds around the songs and so the film clips as well are a huge thing for us. Like the creative decisions we put into our clips are like they're no accident. Like there's a lot of decisions that we are putting in every clip and we have an amazing team for that too. Um, two people, um, two of our close friends actually. We all as a team, the four of us work really hard on those clips and so I'm really proud of those clips as well. Okay. And they've kind of like been number one on CMC too, like consecutively. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, obviously yeah. everyone yeah, else is digging it. Have. Oh god, <laughs> I know it's amazing. Like because I I thought when the first one we put Soapbox out, the first single of our first record, it entered the chart at 48, and I was like, yes, we peaked. <laughs> um, I never saw the support coming from that side of the industry both the business side of the industry and the fan base I never saw that the support I thought that that wouldn't happen so that that was a massive surprise when that song did so well and then like I just yeah it was it's been invaluable actually and I just we just love creating film clips and like oh yeah like I said I, I can't stress enough how much energy and 
like thought we put into creating them. Yeah, that is a really um, it's really satisfying, and it was you know pretty amazing winning the awards for those particular things because it is like this nod from your peers. I think um, those awards, like you know, they're the industry voted and um, and then CMC is a fan voted. So having yeah having that support was was pretty amazing as well. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> no, that's awesome and well deserved. Oh, uh, the Aria as well. That nomination was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was actually mind blowing. Like, yeah, I cried my ass about when I found out about it. So, yeah, that was a mind blowing experience. No, that's really, really, really good. And we're all behind you too. Like, obviously, everyone, everyone loves Fanny. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, what about like maybe touch on? I don't even like to call them failures because I feel like you learn when something doesn't work out the way that you thought it would, but yeah. maybe some problems that you've um, that you've faced, you know, like how you've overcome them or like processes you've used to not let them get you down too much and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I suppose um, having, when you are so like pig-headed <laughs> about stuff um, and you do thoroughly believe that what you're doing and coming to a roadblock and someone being like, no, you can't do that. Um, I found that hard to deal with because I'm like, why not? <laughs> I don't understand if, but like, you know, sometimes it's a legitimate reason. Like you just, or I think another thing, I'm not going to go too much into this, but I am pretty passionate about it is that, um, you know, there is this kind of older school uh, conservatism and male dominance that does trickle through. um, Even if we're not willing to see it, it's still there in this industry. And like, you know, there's been some times where, We've been pulled off like festival lineups because I'm a girl. <laughs> like that, it was particularly hard to like swallow. I think I'm okay if someone doesn't want to like don't like the music or they don't think it fits well. That's their opinion, and like I have, you just have to deal with that. Like you have to have thick skin. But like when it was you know based on something stupid as that, I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. So I found that hard. I found that found that a bit of the booking stuff with the bigger festivals and stuff a little bit hard and different kind of, uh, you know, most of the time. And it's happened slowly. I think it's also been about me learning to be patient and being like, you know, there's time, like it'll come around and, you know, you'll get that next time or we can get that in a few years. You know, we need to have stuff to do (laughs) in the future anyway. But um, I found that kind of difficult even when you're there, you know, like, oh, well, it's what the punters want or who's selling tickets. And you're like, I just stopped. Shows, damn it. <laughs> so, like, I think that's just like any business and any working with people is always going to be challenging because everybody has different opinions and that, that is hard. And I think it would help to make you, um, like, more, you know, more hungry, I suppose, and really kind of stick it to yeah, when it does happen. True. And then if, you know, maybe the fact that you have so many fans and all that kind of thing does actually come around and people actually enjoy themselves when you do play. Yeah. Maybe, maybe then that might um, show them where you were coming from. Yeah, I'm ultimately a very optimistic person, um, and I'm very like glass half full, and I'm always gonna, you know, if we don't get something, I'm okay as long as we've tried. Um, and if we didn't try, that's when I get disappointed. I think. I'm trying to think of anything that was like, I really, really like have trained my brain to not see those negatives as failures. So. It makes me even hard to articulate. 
I've, we've had loads like the whole time, but I'm always like, no, that's fine. We'll do this because we can't do that. No, that's awesome. You know, um, you crumble into a sad human, if you were like <laughs> taking all of this stuff personally. Oh, <laughs> we'll just wrap it up. We've got a couple of, couple of small things. Um, if you have, like, I think you've covered it pretty well um, in your spiels or the, just the, yep. you know, like the, the general answers that you've given, which have been great. What about just some, a couple of little pinpoints of advice for someone who is maybe like just starting out, they, they want to get into the industry, they're having a bit of a look around, want to release a single, maybe have some songs and then look in the shop around with producers and all that kind of stuff. Like, have you got some um, some bits of advice for someone like that? Um, yep, I'd say tour. <laughs> I'd say get on the road, get in front of people, lower your expectations to start with because this is what I do to my things, way more soluble, <laughs> like it's way better. Um, and figure out a way that you can get out and play in front of people because I think live music is um, so key right now and it's, one, it's kind of, the only way to make money to that personal connection is what people are just really needing right now. You know, so much stuff is just online and there's so much hype and there's so many artists that are, it looks like they're, but when it comes down to the hard facts and figures, not there. So I'd be like, kind of forget about that stuff right now and just focus on building a really solid fan base. And it's better to have less fans that are more invested in you than to have more fans that don't really give, you know, so don't worry about how many Facebook likes you have. Um, worry about if you know how many people you can get to connect to your music and buy your CD, um, or you know buy your stream your songs, and then turn up to a show. So I'd just be like, get out there, meet the people, um, face value, and then that will hopefully in turn allow your platform to build all the rest upon that. So it kind of comes down to that ego thing. One thing I'd say, another thing is learn about the industry, like learn about it all, read stuff, like read newsletters, um, understand what releasing a song even means and what you need at that point in your, you know, at your point. Um, and what, and then I think the other thing is just figure out what you want, what you truly want. Like, if you really love songwriting, but you don't love performing, don't take my first piece of advice. Just in recording them and sending them out to people or putting just up on a like YouTube or a SoundCloud or something. Like just write a lot more. Or you love just performing and you don't really love writing and or you're not really great at it. Start working with other people, start just performing, like there's a place for everyone and I think it comes from understanding and to knowing what your strengths are and what you really want. And, and it's okay. You don't have to be a singer-songwriter. Not everybody has to be a singer-songwriter. Like, you don't have to be able to write a song. Like, it's okay. And I think that's important. Um, someone who might be a couple of singles in, um, maybe looking to release an album or, you know, like maybe they've, they've just done their first project and they're looking for something else and they're, they're in it. They've kind of got, you know, got some traction and stuff, but they're just looking for that extra push to, to get to the next the next little step in the hill, what, what would you say to them? I would say just been doing. Like, obviously, they've, you know, you've created something. You've started working on stuff that you're proud of. You have songs that you are obviously connecting with people. I would say don't rush into that album. 
because I think a lot of people rush into their first album too quickly. Um, I was 28 when I released our first, my first album, and I'm so glad I waited because by the time I got to that pe- that that time, I was so that really helped. And like go to each other's shows, I think building that community like helps so much and genuinely support each other because when you have genuine support of each other, when you do are at the point of, you know, releasing and creating, everyone, you know, helps lift you up. So you lift each other up. So I would just say, you know, but if you are, you're like, oh, maybe an album is the next thing. Don't be like, okay, I need to put an album out in September and it's like July. Be like, okay, how do I start this process? And how much time do I need? Like maybe I need two years. And then in that two years, you're going to grow so much anyway because you're going to be working on this process. So does that help? I don't think that was very helpful. <laughs> no, it's great. I think I think essentially everyone's just after reassurance in one way or another. Um, and yeah, I think some, yeah, information, it's better. <laughs> there's no right way as well. There's no right way to do it. Like break all the rules. I think that's a, you know, a key thing is like everything everyone tells you, take it on board and then do something different <laughs> because there's no rules. It's like if you're just be like just really, I think be considered about stuff. Like don't just do it because you think that's what you're meant to do. Um, be just be considered about how you do things and and maybe you're a, an amazing writer and like release a novel with your um, with your album. <laughs> Something that's like a little bit interesting and like look at it a different way and you know how to how how you are going to speak out differently and they can connect with people. I think is a is a good way to do it. And and yeah, there are steps in helping get a team together, but the industry knows who everyone is. I think this is the thing that I've learned, um, is that the industry will know that you're all there. Like the industry will see you and they can see what's happening. And waiting for them to come to you I think is a really powerful thing because you have the power of negotiation and stuff. Putting yourself out there is important, obviously. So including, you know, those people in your newsletters or in your whatever, um, or like, you know, becoming friends with them and stuff is important. But until they see, like the industry is too busy and under-resourced to just see you once at a gig and then sign them you know, and they become a massive star. That does not happen, or it happens like once in a million now. So they all know you're there. So just keep doing what you do really well, and that will, you know, they'll see that, and that can turn into, you know, all sorts of things. Where can people find you? Like, if they want to follow along, or maybe um, get in contact, or come to a show, buy an album, which I strongly suggest. Um, where can we find you, like on social media and all that stuff? Yeah, so just um, so Fanny Lompson, like on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and Twitter, um, sorry, and um, or you can you know go to my website, which is funnyonesand.net, and an email, and like you know we can chat or we can do like I don't know all sorts of different options there. I'd love to hear from you, and I'm more than happy to share any knowledge that I have gained, um, because you know it's a big bad world, and we should all be in this together. Totally, and that's what the podcast is about, and that's why you were one of the very first people I wanted to interview because I just think you're such a good example of hard work and how things can happen if you put the work in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I didn't... No, thank you, Fanny. Thanks very much for joining us.
And that's it for episode number two of the Miss Independent podcast. Just another quick thank you to Fanny Lumsden for taking her time and graciously spending time talking about the industry and the ins and outs and everything that she has learnt so far. It was such a valuable conversation and I cannot just thank her enough. Obviously, Wally was born, so Fanny and Dan welcomed um, their little son, Wally, into the world not long after this podcast was recorded. So it's great to have that news and to have him filling up my Instagram feed of really, really cute baby photos. It's, um, taking, it's taking away from all of the other things that are going on, I think, at the moment. But nonetheless... If you would like to follow Fanny Lumsden, as she mentioned on social media, you can find her at Fanny Lumsden at Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And also, if you'd like to follow along with the podcast, you can find us at Miss Independent Co. All one word, Instagram and Facebook and also on Twitter, but it's spelt a bit different and I'm sure you'll just work it out because we're all tech savvy these days, aren't we? Thank you very much again and I will catch you next time. I'm Sarah Leet.